Hi, and welcome to the Unique Perspective Show, broadcast live on Hakol Radio, powered by the Montanivasar. Every person, and in particular, every Jew, is special and unique in his or her own way, contributing to society with their very own flavor. My name is Yehuda Blonder, your show host, and I was born with a rare genetic medical condition called familial dysautonomia, also known as FD. Growing up and overcoming multitudes of medical challenges shaped the person I am today, as well as gave me a rather unique perspective on life. On this show, we will be sitting down with amazing people with unique perspectives in life who will give us a glimpse into their lives and what makes them who they are. Come along with me for the ride on the Unique Perspective Show on Hako Radio. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Unique Perspective Show live on Hako Radio powered by Lamont Mivasser. I am thrilled and honored that we have a very special person by the name of Chaim Oizer Dessler on the show. Chaim Oizer is a one-man chesed machine. He is a member of Chaverim of Central Jersey and a dispatcher for Interstate Chaverim. He is also a dispatcher of Hatzalah of Jersey Shore, Hatzalah of Metro West, and Hatzalah Statewide. Chaim Oizer is a devoted volunteer of Lakewood Beaker Harlem and a prominent presence throughout many medical advocacy and referral organizations. Chaim Meiser is a dedicated volunteer at Chai Lifeline and is a part of the Bike for Chai command team running the event. He's also part of the Special Children's Center medical team. He was the founder and director of the COVID Plasma Initiative Monoclonal Antibody Hotline, assisting thousands of patients across the country. He is also part of the Camp Simcha Special, Special Children's Center, and Leib Shlomo Helicopter Team that provides helicopter trips for hundreds of sick and handicapped children every summer. He is also a member of the Paraflight Flight Crew and director of their medical division that provides medical standbys for large events like the Mirk Dinner, Hask Concert, RCCS Hockey Tournaments, etc. He's also a medical team member for the Next Ride, an Israeli-based organization that assists amputees. He also holds down a full-time job as director of facilities for a large nursing home chain. Chaimoiser Dessler also learns the Daf Yomi every night with his father, Rabbi Simcha Dessler, director of the Hebrew Academy of Cleveland. Please help me in welcoming Chaimoiser Dessler to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Welcome, welcome. Good. Thank you so What's much. Doing? Good, Baruch Hashem. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Where are you located today? Cleveland, uh, yeah. Lakewood, Tom River, Jackson. Long Branch, New Jersey. Okay. I'm so glad to be on your show. I watched very, the very first uh, episode of uh, one of our role models, Simcha Shane, and uh, it's an honor to be here, Yehuda Leib. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so 
tell us a little bit, <clears throat> where did you grow up? So I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, okay. I uh, went to school in Cleveland all the way through ninth grade. Then um, I went to Edison and Darche, and I went to Yeshiva in Lakewood, and uh, then I joined the workforce. You went to Edison? I didn't know that you went to Edison. I knew you went to Darche, but I didn't know you went to Edison. I was in Edison Yeshiva. I graduated out of Darche. I was in Edison for a little bit, for a year. Um, I went to Darche and I graduated from there. Okay. How, you, you didn't go to any other yeshivas besides those three? No. Okay. So after Darche, what did you do? After Darche, I uh, came to Lakewood. I was in a yeshiva that you uh, learn a half a day in the morning and you work a half a day in the afternoon. Um, and then, you know, after a year or two, I ended up going to work full time. Where in Lakewood did you go to? I'm saying, like, where in Lakewood did you live? Or So I started off living in a dorm in the Sishiva. Um, okay. And then after about a year, I uh, moved into my uncle and aunt's house, Yerucham and Chayla Bertram, who were so gracious to open up their, their home wow. and the uh, to allow me in. And it's been... Uh, Eight years now, and I am uh, wow. blessed to have a home away from home. I'm sure. I'm sure it gives you comfort to know that it's your aunt and uncle. Absolutely. And no one else. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So, how did you get involved with with work and and all the Hasidic organizations that you are that you joined? Sure. So. First of all, I'm, I'm blessed to have been raised in a home that uh, taught me the fundamentals of uh, being a giving person and being a generous person. Um, I grew up, my father and mother taught me this, and the reason why they taught me this is because they were raised in such homes, you know, both on my father's side, the, the Dessler family, you know, my grandfather, Rabbi Dessler, who was an unbelievable man, he uh, he was somebody who I grew up in a home that when a mashulach knocks on the door, you not only do you, did my grandfather used to put on his kapata and my father put on his jacket just just to open the door for them, but they didn't just get a check; they got a meal, they got a place to stay if they needed, you know. And my mother's side, the Bertram family, you know, my grandfather actually just passed away about a month ago, and one of the stories that the was told was that he uh, walked into a shul in Tveria and shul had, you know, a little coin slot that you would put money in for the air conditioning. And when he came in, he put money in for the air conditioning for his minion from Mincha and his way out, he put in for the next minion. That's what type of person he was, you know, that, that's, that's what type of family I was raised in. Parents and grandparents on both sides that all they, all they taught me was to be a, a giving person, you know, in the right ways. Wow. So who was your father's grandfather's father again? Your father's father was Reb Nachum Zev Dessler. Um, he was born in uh, 1921. He came to America in 1940. And he started the Hebrew Academy of Cleveland in 1943, which my father runs today. Yeah, It's still running today. My grandfather started in 1943 in a basement with 11 children. And today they have over 1,400 kids. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. 
So you're related to the Rabbi Dessler from Baltimore or something? Rabbi Dessler, the Michtamelio? Yes. Michtamelio was my great grandfather. Uh, I never met him. My father actually never okay. met him. Passed away at a young age. Um, okay. He was he was an incredible man. I mean, he was he was you know he changed the Musser movement. You know, um, Dessler family in general was you know from from Kelman. You know, um, they were you know they. they the family up, all going all the way up to Rabbi Yisrael Salanta really, really taught the world the, the path in which to lead your lives, you know? Wow. Wow. So you came to Lakewood, you started in this yeshiva, worked for half a day. So I came to Lakewood, you know. Um, and, then, and then you started working full-time. Where did you start working full-time? I started off working at a company that does property management. Okay. Uh, and then eventually I got into my job that I have now in healthcare. Uh, incredible, incredible people to work for. I'm blessed every single day that the people that I work for give me the opportunity to do a good job at what I do. You know, I work hard. Um, but at the same time, they allow me to continue all my uh, extracurricular activities. Wow. And how did you find that job? I found that job uh, through Javerim, actually. Um, I, I, was, I joined Javerim when I was 17. Wow. And uh, my uh, boss got to know me through Javerim, and he hired me. Wow, amazing! How did how did you get to Javerim? So let's let's at, at such a young age. So let's 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 back up for a second. Okay. Um, so I, I was a boy. I'm just going to be honest over here. I was a boy that uh, the yeshiva thing for me just you know I, I it didn't work out too well. Okay. I, okay. I, pushed, I pushed hard to graduate, you know, and I did. Um, I was, you know, a young, ambitious boy who, uh, I, I just wasn't thrilled. You know, I wanted to, to do something I wanted to accomplish. And, you know, I, I, the sitting in, you know, in a base measures just, it wasn't for me, you know? Um, and, uh, I had a plan, I had a plan and I, uh, at the very young age, I, I wanted to make a difference, you know, and, okay. um, that's not something that's me. That's something that I was, you know, raised with. Uh, it's, right. you know, it's in my DNA. And I think I did it in a little bit of a, a you know, a, a different way um, than, uh, than most people would. Um, I, I had a passion to help others. Okay. And again, that's okay, what wow. I was raised with. And the first thing I did was I actually signed up to volunteer with High Lifeline. Um, and I remember I was 17 years old. I remember my first trip to CHOP Hospital at five o'clock in the morning. And when I got back at seven, in the morning, I, I just, I felt so accomplished. I felt so accomplished. And I said, you know what, this is, and I'm going to make my life, you know, my life's mission to help others. Um, wow. And through the right role models and, you know, and the help of the Rabbani Shalom Hashem, you know, for giving me so many incredible opportunities. Um, you know, I, I, I think I was, you know, able to accomplish it. And I think I was able to, uh, to, to do my part, you know. And continue so, to do. so at 17 years old, you started volunteering for High Lifeline. Correct. So first thing I did was wow. seven years old, I started volunteering for High Lifeline. Uh, then I joined Chaverim at 17. Um, wow. And then, then I uh, then I then I went to EMT school. I became an EMT. I you know graduated. I was 18 years old. Started volunteering for a local first aid squad. 
Um, and then, you know, various other organizations along the way from Isameach to, you know, to, to the Special Children's Center to, you know, so many other, you know, organizations that I, you know, had this chus to help out and be a part of. Um, and ultimately, I consider myself selfish because, you know, I... I you're allowed to. You're allowed to consider yourself selfish. I consider myself selfish because you know I only do this because I enjoy it. You know, and right. I can't imagine my life without it. Um, so that's really you know, and I tell people all the time when you do something for somebody else, it does more for you than it does for them, and and it's really really wow. true. Wow. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. Is your computer running slower than molasses? Are you desperate to salvage important data from your hard drive? Let's face it, IT work can be a nightmare at times. Whether it entails virus removal, server or network setup, networking and cloud backup, or simple laptop and desktop ongoing IT support. At VentureTech, we understand how essential your systems are to your daily life, and we take the time to accurately diagnose every technical issue you're experiencing. Call us now for a consultation by dialing 347-603-0033 or shoot us an email to info at VentureTechComputers.com. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. So when you graduated as an EMT at 18, you joined the local first aid squad yeah. right away? I joined the local first aid squad, I would say approximately six months after I became an EMT. Started riding for the 911 system. And then I would say maybe two years later, I joined uh, I joined the hot cellar. And then I joined another hot cellar, um, you know, in a few different various different neighborhoods. Um, and uh, today I'm blessed to uh, take a few hundred hot uh, cellar calls a year. Um, wow. And uh, each one is uh, an opportunity. And, you know, and I consider myself blessed that, I, you know, their Shalom gives me all these opportunities. So, wow. Amazing. It's, wow. So, yeah, you have a, you had a friend, mutual friend in common. How did you get to meet him, Yochi Ruby Zetsa? Sure. So Yochi Ruby, in general, is somebody who's changed my life forever. Okay. okay wow. I'm sure he's changed many lives, but for me personally, I could tell you that when I got to know Yochi, I was, you know, I was a kid. I was running around a little bit of high lifeline, a little bit of chaverim, you know. Here and there, I was, you know, I was helping people out, but Yochi really introduced me to the world, and I tell that to people all the time. I wow. met Yochi at a wedding, um, you know, this little kid came over to me and he said, hey, I need some help with uh, some oxygen tanks. Okay. Can, can you carry some oxygen tanks to my car? And that that little thing that I did, okay, changed my life forever. Uh, wow. I became very, very close. Um, as you know, I, I met you through Yochi. I'll never forget that day. Unfortunately. Um, and... You know, Yochi was, Yochi really, he introduced me to so many people who has given me so many opportunities. Simcha Shein, I became close with Simcha Shein through Yochi Ruby. Um, you know, the whole Camp Simcha thing, the whole, uh, you know, um, high life, my, so many things just, just changed so much from the people that I met through Yochi Ruby. Um, he really, uh, he really, really changed my life. And, one thing I'll say is, as much as uh, Yochi is not here today, uh, his life really lives on because, you know, he, he really 
it really changed my life. And I have so many, so many opportunities, so many people that I've met, um, so many paths that have crossed and so many mitzvahs that have been accomplished um, and lives that have been saved because of Yochi Ruby. And that, uh, I always thought it was because of that little radio on your belt that you met you that's and the, became friends. Became the, friends with you. That that's possible. I mean, Yoki Ruby did uh, did have a uh, certain thing for people with radios on their belt. He loved Hatzalah members. He loved Chaver members. Um, he really did. And uh, maybe it was the radio on my belt that he saw. You know. I'm sure it was. So, uh, getting a little further, in 2020, we had something called Corona. How did you get involved with the plasma, and and what made you decide to change the world in giving plasma and all of that? All right. So, uh, obviously, in 2020, when uh, uh, COVID hit, um, you know, when you're involved in various different organizations, you know, you tend to uh, get opportunities thrown your way. Um, so when COVID hit, um, you know, as a Hatsala member, there was the whole aspect of, you know, calls and it was hard. It was rough. You know, I, I forgot to mention that I'm very involved with Beaker Home, various different Beaker Homes, but particularly right. Lakewood Beaker Home. And, you know, when, when, when COVID hit, my first project was the Pesach box, actually. Okay. The project was the Pesach box where all of a sudden there was thousands of young couples in Lakewood that all of a sudden had the daunting task of making Pesach for the first time. And other right. yeah. uh, base Madrash Gavoa and uh, various different Askanim and, and philanthropists, we were able to put together a program where we put together 10,000 Pesach boxes, you know, subsidized cost, and we were able to help a lot of people make Pesach. And that was the initial first few weeks Um then, you know, we started putting a lot of our efforts towards, you know, uh, caring for patients at home, concentrators. And, you know, those times are times that, you know, I look back, I'm not sure how we made it through it. But the answer is, is that anybody who does something, you know, God gives you the strength to do what you need to do. And that's the only answer. Wow. Wow. I feel really, really blessed, you know, that we were able to do what we did up until November 2020. Um, November 2020 was... Um, an interesting time. Um, we, okay. we had a, a plasma. There was an organization that called the COVID plasma initiative that existed. They facilitated okay. plasma, plasma drives you know, through the clinical trials with NIH and stuff like that, where they were going to take plasma from patients that recovered from coronavirus and infuse them into patients that are struggling with coronavirus and help them fight the infection. Okay. Rabbi Kassir from Lakewood yeah. Was a, uh, okay. So he's a remarkable man and an incredible role model of mine. And he uh, reached out to me and asked me if I would uh, uh, come to a plasma drive in Lakewood um, just to okay. be there half a beaker home and, and help out uh, in case anybody needs anything. So, you know, it was really just to show my face, you know, and to be standing there with a beaker home ID card. And <laughs> I, I showed up there and uh, it was an LTC. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the drive was run by, you know, one of the blood banks. Uh, so there's not much that had to have been, you know, that had to be done. But I was there and uh, it was done together with the, in partnership with the COVID Plasma Initiative. Um, and uh, over there, I met a lady, a woman, an incredible 
woman by the name of Mrs. Zeldi Open. And, you know, we talked for a little bit. We exchanged numbers. Um, and I said, hey, if you ever need anything, just let me know. And that was the okay. first time that I heard about the concept of monoclonal antibodies. Uh, at that point, it was approved for maybe a few days. Um, it, it had its, you know, FDA's emergency use authorization. And she told me about it. Didn't mean anything to me, you know. And we moved on. I would say about a week later, um, an aunt of mine, a very high-risk patient, got COVID. And in those days when somebody got COVID, it was scary. You know, Baruch Hashem today, right. a different story. Um, and an aunt of mine got COVID. And I called her up and I said, hey, I remember you told me about this, you know, this this treatment. You know, maybe you can help me get it. And it was, it was a daunting task to pull it off. You know, she had to go to Kimball and she had to come with certain papers and there were certain requirements. And it was just, there was a lot, a lot of information that had to be known. She, she really, she really helped us, you know, pull it off. And my aunt yeah. went for this treatment and literally 24 hours, it was like an energizer bunny. It was, she was back to herself. And wow. happened. And I said, this is incredible. You know, I saw it in my own eyes for the first time. And I turned to her and I said, you know, we, we got to do something over here. I said, we got to, we got to, we got to make something happen. Um, and she said, what do you mean? I said, it's time that you take this service and you open it up to the world. And she said, yeah, well, we, we do, you know, it exists. We have a hotline. I said, oh, that's amazing. Where does the hotline go to? And she says, well, okay. it goes to my email address. I said, and, and what happens then? She goes, well, we answer it within 24 hours. So, okay, well, at this point, anybody who was testing, it takes a day to get a test. It takes two days to get results. It takes a day right. for them to get back to you. I said, by the time you know about it, you're five, six days in. It's, it's, it's too late for the patients that we care about most. I said, you know, it's time that you have a 24-7 hotline that somebody answers 24-7. And within that phone call, within an hour, two hours, whatever it is of that phone call, the patient's on their way. Within a few hours, they have a needle in their arm and they're on their way to recovery. And she says, well, I don't really have anybody that can pick up the, you know, that can answer the phones. I said, well, how many calls do you get a day? And she said, I would say around anywhere from five to 10. Now, you know, okay. five to 10 calls a day, no big deal. 216-644-4704. Let my phone start ringing. And sure enough, she sent my phone. And at the same time, we started a, uh, a, a national campaign where we did two things at the same time. We started a, the hotline that rings live. We uh, started a uh, advertising blitz in, you know, online, digital, paper, newspapers, magazines across the country and communities literally across the country. And we put together a list of core places in every from neighborhood from Los Angeles to New York, literally across wow. the country, of options and what the criteria is for each place. You know, so if somebody's a diabetic, where would they qualify? If somebody only has a rapid test versus a PCR, do you need an appointment? Do you need what medication? You know, and we went through all the different options and we put together hundreds of places, you know, okay. of options for people to get treated. And that's where the COVID plasma initiatives monoclonal antibody hotline was born. Wow. That is probably the most remarkable opportunity that I've ever had in my life. And that is something that has changed my life forever. And it's an opportunity that I know is never going to come again. Um, and we started off this, wow. this hotline 
uh, I would say getting five or 10 calls a day. And I remember the really busy days during the surges, we had, I would say about 30 calls and we, we were placing patients and the, you know, the feedback that we got was incredible, was absolutely incredible. We worked together with the FDA uh, that they can use our data. We followed up with every patient and, you know, we were following up with the drug companies and the hospitals and fusion centers and urgent cares across the country. And we really, we really saw the impact that we were making and we really saw lives that were being saved. Um, and it was just, it was, it was so incredible to be a part of it. Um, and then Omicron came, Delta, sorry, the Delta variant, the surge, I forgot when it was, but I believe it was November, December, January of, of the following, you know, a few months later. Um, okay. um, we uh, saw a surge that was beyond words. Uh, our hotline, which used to get 30 calls a day, started getting between 850 and 950 hotline calls a day. Wow. Put things in perspective, that's probably more Hatsala calls than, you know, every Hatsala in New Jersey put together. Why? Um, every Hatsala in the country, I meant, I'm sorry. You know, close to a thousand hotline calls a day. We were placing, I would say, 300, 400 patients a day. Um, okay. Now, it, it was, it was, I look back and I'm not sure how we accomplished it. And the only thing that I can say is we accomplished it with two things. Number one is the Yad Hashem. And, in, you know, in wow. industries that I'm in, we see the Yad Hashem on a constant basis. Um, you know, the Islam, like I said before, gives people the kayak to accomplish what they need to accomplish. And the second thing is, is the incredible team. We put together an incredible team of 35 people dispatchers that stood at their phones 24-7, nonstop, hotline call after hotline call after hotline call. I'm talking about hanging up from one, getting to the next one. There were times where there were 30, 40 people waiting to speak to a dispatcher at the same time. <clears throat> we were able to, uh, you know, pull off the unimaginable. and We were able to properly place and hold the hands of all these patients. You know, these patients were in their most vulnerable time. And we were able I'm to... Sure. And, and, and bring them back to health, you know, just from phone calls, you know, and we were able to place, you know, especially the times at points, there was a shortage of this medication. And what we were right. doing, take, you know, we knew there were stock in Muncie, we would take patients from Lakewood and send them to Muncie, from Muncie to Brooklyn and from Brooklyn to North Jersey. And we were playing wow. with, with, with thousands of patients, um, you know, on a daily basis, and it was really working with doctors and and rabbanim and 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 you know urgent cares and hospitals. And before we knew it, we were we were the the one stop shop for any patient, you know, that tested positive for COVID across the country. You know, every Hatzalah member, every doctor, every Rav, every urgent care, every everybody was just referring their patients to us. And most incredible thing was every single one of these volunteers volunteers they wow. gave days and their nights, their Shabbos and their Yantif, to be there for other people, you know, and, and I could tell you, I did it myself, you know, I, I, there were days that I didn't sleep, there were days that I didn't eat. I was going to, I was going to ask you, did, did you get any sleep during this time? It was rough, it was rough, you know, it was rough, you know, we, what we, what we would do is the phones would be nonstop all the way, you know, till about midnight, and then from about midnight until three is when we would, uh, 
when we would start planning for the next day, you know, coming up with our options, coming up with where we're going to place patients, you know, cleaning up the mess that we left behind from the, from the, you know, from the train wreck of a day. And then, you know, came seven o'clock in the morning, the hotline started ringing again. And we did this day in and day out. You know, I remember the, the sukkahs in the middle of COVID, I, I uh, had this host to go to Eretz Yisrael. And I remember not leaving my apartment. You know, I was in my apartment hooked up to a battery pack, the whole Shabbos and the whole Yontif, um, no Cholomite trips, you know, just because I couldn't, wow. it was, it was, it was, you know, oh, there was a mission at hand and I was going to stop at nothing, nothing to make sure that that mission happens. And again, all of this was done with the help of the Rabbani Shalom, you know, I, I feel so humbled that God chose me to be the person to, you know, to the person to help 40,000 people. Um, and, uh, it's an accomplishment that, that, you know, mesmerizes me till today. Wow. Let me just ask you, do you think this, I mean, not, not COVID, not Corona, but this whole COVID plasma initiative that you took on was because Yechi sent it to you, or do you think it was someone else, Yad Hashem? So, Yochi Ruby uh, took up a lot of my time when he was alive. I was, like I said, I was very cherished to be very close with him, you know, especially towards the last few months of his life. You know, I used to go every single day to the hospital in Bronx to visit him. Um, and I was with him every single day, ultimately, until until he passed away. And I had this be with him, you know, by his Yitzhiyah Sashama, which is also something that I, you know, I feel so humbled that their Banishla chose me. Um, to be with him, you know, by ACTS and Shomo. Um, but a lot of people used to come up to me and they say, you know, now that Yochi's passed away, what are you going to do with your time? And Yochi passed away right before COVID. And I think that, you know, Yochi had a hand in it. There's no question about it. He knew that, you know, he's in a better place. He's no longer with us, you know, our Hishtadlis for him. And the things that we needed to do for him are now over. And the things that he needed to do on this world is over. Um, and it was time for him to go back to the Rabbani Shalom. And he knew that it was time that we have another Hishtadus that we have to do. And I feel like a part of him, you know, facilitated that. You know, I, I could tell Siyochi going, going up to the Rabbani Shalom at the Kisiyah Kavit saying, I got this guy, Dessler, you know, he's available now. And, uh, and... You know, I, I just, I feel blessed. I feel blessed to have been, 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 been the, the, the right shliach to so many people. Uh, uh, and what, what, towards the end of COVID plasma initiative, what made you and the, your team decide that, okay, we're in a better place now. We don't need to do the monoclonal so, antibodies. Sure. So everything that we do, and everything that we did the entire way from, from when we started the hotline until when we closed down the hotline was exactly two years to the day, actually, which is, which is mesmerizing. Wow. Just to back up for a second, but we, we started, I, I forgot the date. It was in November and we finished, uh, we finished when the FDA pulled its emergency use authorization. That, that, that's what, okay. that's why we stopped. And it was actually two years to the day, um, two years to wow. the day. We had we had discussed to play a part in forty thousand lives. We we set up infusions for forty thousand patients. 
Um, and everything that we did from the beginning until the end was with rabbinical and medical advice. So we had a, uh, a, a team of doctors, um, you know, Dr. Berman, an infectious disease doctor, and, you know, and uh, Dr. Zimmerman, you know, and so many other doctors uh, uh, that really just, you know, those are the first two that come to mind, and I'm sure I'm leaving right. someone. There's so many doctors that really, that really um, gave us guidance, you know, gave us guidance along the whole way. Um, and then we had all the, all the, you know, the rabbinical board, which, you know, answered all of our halachic and, uh, and moral questions, and we, we followed their lead with everything that we did. And ultimately, uh, you know, on their advice, um, it was, you know, time to end it. And, and we are thankful that when we ended it, the need was really not there. Um, you know, the, the virus, Baruch Hashem, became so mild that the patients that we cared most about, for the most part, were doing okay. And, you know, we got, you know, we had the right tools through the scary times to, to be able to right. save new lives, you know, and, and, and Baruch Hashem, it wasn't necessary anymore. Um, wow. That's really, that's really what it comes down to, you know, at the same time, you know, I forgot to mention, uh, you know, we thanked all the, all the volunteers and all the people that helped out, but really it's the, it's, you know, the hospitals, the urgent care is the, the infusion centers and the home infusion companies, all these companies, um, and all these people that work for these companies, whether they're doctors, nurses, physicians, assistants, or just logistical or operational people, they really bent over backwards and they really, you know, went the extra mile to help out so many patients. Um, we have such incredible stories that came out of this, you know, um, if, if you don't mind, I'll share with you one. Um, sure. I'm actually going to pull it up. Um, so in the very beginning, we had a, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave the name blank, uh, obviously. Okay confidential reasons but in the very 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 beginning when we first started believe it or not cancer was not a uh, qualification to be treated um, really wow yeah it's, I, it's, you know, I thought i thought for sure it would be a, a major qualification yeah you would think so but again you know the government has their ways it's all dead right. anyways and nobody was really treating you know pregnancy wasn't either and we actually worked together with the the fda um to have pregnancy the we actually shared with them our data on uh, pregnancy um, and, you know, monoclonal antibodies to be able to add pregnancy to the list of uh, approved conditions to be treated. So, but cancer was one, it was not one of them. And cancer obviously is, uh, is, you know, cancer patients are from our most concerning patients if they were to get COVID. So I had one doctor uh, without mentioning names. Um, I'm not going to mention the city or where she's from, but I, I had one doctor who uh, had a, uh, a health center. Um, she was the medical director of a health center and she uh, would accept cancer patients. She believed that uh, cancer patients are at high risk and she's going to treat them. Um, okay. I had a cancer patient in another neighborhood, another town uh, that needed to be treated. Um, and I'm just going to read you uh, the messages that I, that I uh, sent her. Um, I said, hi, I have a 60-year-old uh, patient with cancer. Um, can you treat them? And she responded, unfortunately, we will not be infusing today due to the snow. The next available day is Sunday. And this was uh, on Thursday. Now, okay. we all know that the difference between Thursday and, and uh, Sunday is uh, problematic. You know, it's just the patient can, can, can really uh, go south by then. Um, right. 
And I said, okay, uh, this patient, uh, Nebuch, has cancer and lost a brother due to COVID. If there's anything we could do, that would be amazing. Now, this is a, you know, a key example of what we do, really advocating for every single patient and trying our luck. Even if the, you know, there is no option, we're going to at least try. Okay, and we're going we're gonna okay. to every single place. We'll take the case. We'll shop it with every single place across the entire tri-state area if we need, if, you know, if need be. And, and we'll try, you know. All, at least we have to be able to say, I always told this to all of our volunteers, we have to be able to say that we try to do everything for every single patient, you know, and, and God does the rest. Um, um, so I, I said, is there anything that we can do? Um, and she said, uh, um, I understand his anxiety since he lost a brother. Let, let me try something. Uh, she said, I'm calling the nurse now to see if she wants to come in. We'll let you know. I said, wow, words cannot describe you guys. We will arrange transportation if, for her if, if need be because of the weather. And she responded, you can give a 2 p.m. appointment. Our nurse is amazing, and please have whoever's coming to pick her up, pick me up as well. So here we had a doctor, okay, who knows a patient like a hole in the wall, okay, from another town even, who's coming in on a snowstorm, in the middle, you know, opening up a closed medical facility to go and treat a patient. Um, so I sent her a text and I said, I said, I'm involved in many organizations and deal with many medical offices and professionals. I don't think I have ever seen somebody put such heart into every patient. It's incredible to watch. And I feel like there's a reason you're doing so much for all these patients. So please share it. Mr. I said, I feel like there's something, there's something here. You know, you don't just do this. You know, there's got to be a reason that you're doing it. You know, either it's in your DNA or something happened. There's some sort of life experience, or, you know. And and she responded to me a long text with, which you know, I'm, I'm looking at this now. This is you know, from 2020. You know, it's three years later, um, and I still remember this story and it still sits with me. She responded, "Me and my husband almost died of COVID. My husband was on a vent for seven days." I was at his bedside at that time since I worked at the hospital, and I was able to save his life three times. Psychotine storm, the blood pressure of 195 over 120, 29, seven days of temperature over 104. With Hashem's help and my tefillahs, he returned from the threshold of death and is now a healthy man. He was the only survivor in a 10-bed ICU. I had bilateral pneumonia a week later and then pericarditis. It took us seven months to recuperate. We both lost our jobs to COVID. Lots of time to think about what Hashem wants us to do since he decided that our tasks here are not yet done. Each Jew that I give antibody to is payback for the time Hashem is payback time to Hashem for giving my, me my husband's life back. I'm wondering how this course would have been different if treatments were available in the very beginning of March 2020. Gratitude is a driving force. It's as simple as that. So wow. it's an incredible story. It's absolutely an incredible story. And you see how, how you know, her life was changed. Her life was really, really changed. And she said, opportunity is knocking at my door. Opportunity is knocking at my door. And I'm, I'm going to stop at nothing to eat up every single opportunity and to help other people. And, and wow. so many of these incredible, you know, incredible people that were really our extensions. You know, we would be nothing without them. You know, in whatever capacity they served, where they really... It really, like you see, you see, here's a perfect example. They turned over the world for, for, for every single patient. And it was a struggle. It was rough. It was hard. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for anybody, you know. 
just just to stay sane throughout all these times, you know, was not something that's easy. Um, but, you know, the Rabbani Shalom gives everybody the kayak that they need. And the Rabbani Shalom really, really, really held everybody's hands and, you know, and 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 introduced us to the right people and vice versa. And, and we really, really were able to accomplish, uh, uh, you know, an unbelievable thing and really change the world. I mean, 40,000 patients, if you think about it, you know, each, each patient has a family. Each patient has, you know, a life. Each patient has kids and grandkids and fathers and mothers. And it was, it was, it's incredible. Amazing. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. When you need urgent medical attention or transport, you deserve peace of mind. Based on the East Coast, ParaFlight is a full-service medical transport company dedicated to providing dependable, compassionate, and customized care and service to patients and medical teams worldwide. Founded by emergency medical professionals, we understand the sensitive, critical needs of medical teams, patients, and their families. We transport patients and teams from tertiary care facilities, hospital to hospital, or any other destination across the United States and beyond. Our team never compromises on safety or quality of care, following a patient-first, not profit-driven model of care. This ensures you get the exact customized medical transport solution you need. Check us out online at www.paraflight.aero. Call us today, 844 538 1911 or send an email to info at paraflight.aero. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. I know I, I forgot to mention, how did you get involved with the, the Beaker Holm of Lakewood? How did I get involved with Beaker Holm of Lakewood? So I actually was, when I was in that yeshiva in uh, okay. in in Lakewood, um, the guy who was running the uh, the yeshiva, like the administrator in the yeshiva, was involved in being home, and he actually he actually signed me up to volunteer. And oh wow! I would you know I would help out. You know you know I started off with you know stocking pantries and you know and and now I, I you know I help them out. I'm I'm a phlebotomist for them. You know we draw blood for patients. I help them out with different things. You know health at home and you know medical equipment and and you know all that more, more patient care type of stuff. Um, but you know we're here to help. Um, you know I became very close with with Rabbi Kassir, who who you know leads the organization in an incredible way. Um, and uh, you know when, whenever they need me, they call me, and we're, we're we're happy to help. You know, like I said, it's another opportunity. Wow! And you you're also a phlebotomist. That's amazing. Uh, how long did that take to become a phlebotomist? So I actually became a phlebotomist in the beginning of COVID. Um, okay. When they were starting all this, you know, plasma stuff, and they were testing people for to see their body levels, um, I became a phlebotomist very quickly, and I will never forget. I finished my course, and I walked right over to uh, to uh, one of the drives that was uh, taking place, and I started and I started drawing blood that day. Wow. Okay, so so you're done with the COVID plasma initiative, which is amazing. Thank Hashem. Thank Hashem. Yeah, you're still a phlebotomist. What is next for uh, Mr. Chaim or the Dessler? It's a very good question. It's a very good question. That's that's up for the Rabbanish Shalom to the to to decide. You know, 
whatever opportunities he sends my way, you know, that's, that's, that's what we'll, uh, that's what we'll is, do. Is it true that you're in school again? From what I hear? This is true. This is true. We are, uh, what are you going for now? A paramedic. With Hashem's help. Well, yeah. That's a big project in itself. Yeah, it's a big project, you know. I, uh, again, always, oh, everything I do in my life is with, with, with guidance, you know. I, uh, had a conversation with Rabbi Brudney, my uncle, Rabbi Brudney, uh, before I, uh, embarked on this, and, uh, he, uh, wished me well and, uh, told me that it's the, the right way to, uh, proceed, and, uh, here we are, you know, with Hashem's help, you know. We've got a long while to go, but we're looking forward, you know. How long is this new? class this school of course is about 18 months wow it's it's a hard school i hear it's what they say but you know hopefully with hashem's help we'll uh we'll uh be able to pull it off you know wow amazing there's no words there's no words to describe heimer's death but except exceptional i learn from exceptional people that's the way it is I'm not amazing, I'm not a tzaddik, I'm not exceptional. It's that I learn from people. I remember, you come across people every single day, you know, at least I do, and I'm sure everybody else does. You know, and the goal is just to uh, uh, to learn from everybody, you know, to learn from all your life experiences, people, and use them as role models. I just want to interject uh, you for a minute. You were you were saying about monoclonal antibody before. Yeah. And the story came back to me. Um, I I unfortunately got COVID a couple of times, and one one night, unfortunately, I needed to get um, monoclonal, and we were going back and forth what what to do, whatever. I was on the phone with a couple of my friends, and and all of a sudden, you got on the phone call and. And you, you dropped everything that you, you were doing with monoclonal and, and COVID plasma initiative. And you came all the way from, from Lakewood to Brooklyn. And I ended up in King's Pony Island Hospital. Community Hospital, 2525 Kings Highway. Community Hospital. And it was about 12 o'clock at night, 12, 1 o'clock. at night, and my mother told told you, go home, go home. He's like, no, I'm staying. I'm gonna give you a ride home. My mother's like, no, my husband's coming to pick us up. He's like, absolutely not. I'm staying here. I'm gonna drive you home, and we are forever so grateful for that. I, I, Thank you. I'm so grateful to have uh, had this close to be there with you. And again, I, you know. I feel blessed. I feel blessed. I remember that night. I'll never forget that night. Um, and I think uh, you're a beneficiary of the monoclonal treatment. I think it, uh, it did a zero to 60 on you. You know, it reversed you. Um, and uh, all these examples, all these patients that we see, you know, um, and we see how they were, you know, reversed back. It just, you know, it just gave us the, the strength to uh, continue uh, pushing forward. Wow. So, so you're, Now you're back to work full time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I never stopped working full time. <laughs> well, you were on the phone 
uh, yeah, more yeah, than more than work. Had a little shaky, you know, those first <laughs> few crazy months, but uh, my incredible, uh, the incredible people that I work for, you know, really, uh, really, you know, they looked the other way when they needed to look the other way, and Baruch Hashem, you know, we were able to uh, accomplish what we needed to accomplish for the job. Not perfectly, but as best as we can. Um, and I was going to put lives first, and I was going to stop at nothing to make that happen, you know? It's amazing that you have great, great people that you're working for. And just you alone, you're an exceptional person. Anyway, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for having us. And this is an inspiration to me. A real treat. You're an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration to everybody else. Um, Thank you. you you. Keep doing what you're doing because it's people like you that teach us the right ways. That's all I could say. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Have a wonderful day. We'll be in touch. Take care. Be well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. You have just listened to the latest episode of the Unique Perspective Show, broadcasted live on Hako Radio. Powered by the Munson Mavasser. The Unique Perspective Show is hosted by Yehuda Blonder, who can be contacted through Hako Radio by sending an email to info at hakoradio.com. This show and many others can be found in the Hako Radio archive system on our website and mobile apps, and can also be found on all major podcasting services.